Welcome to the Wags of SEI podcast, where we discuss all things life, love, and caregiving after spinal cord injury, hosted by Elena Pauly and Brooke Paget. Our partner, Spinal Cord Injuries, is what brought us together, and our common bond as caregivers to quadriplegics is what helped us to create the advocacy group, Wags of SCI, which is an acronym for Wives and Girlfriends of Spinal Cord Injury. We know firsthand the challenges that come with living this lifestyle. And our mission is to spread awareness and positivity from our unique perspectives. So join us as we tackle deeper discussions around sex, travel, mental health, self-care, and finding balance as a caregiver and a lover to someone with a spinal cord injury. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wags of SEI podcast. Here we go. The episode you're about to enjoy is brought to you by Anchor Medical Supplies. This company is very special to us as it is owned and operated by a quadriplegic. His name is Paul and his wag of SEI, Jessica. They have been married for 22 years and they strive to provide the best service in the industry for catheters and ostomy products. Anchor Medical Supplies is based in Georgia, but work with nationwide Medicare, Medicaid, and many private insurance companies, including Blue Cross and TRICARE. They work with your doctor's office to get prescriptions organized and they bill insurance directly. They ship discreetly to your door without any hassles. They are passionate about advocating for those with disabilities. And most of their staff are individuals that have been affected by paralysis themselves. Their personalized services include monthly check-ins, expert advice, and customized products. This makes them a company we can really rely on and trust. They know the SCI life, and they understand how important peer support can be. If you aren't sure you want to change providers, subscribe to their monthly newsletter. Jessica curates the latest SEI news, new products, and advice so you can stay informed and connected. Just go to their website, anchormedsupplies.com, and fill out the easy form. Give Jessica and Paul a call today at 1-833-667-8669, or you can visit their website at anchormedsupplies.com and tell them the Wags of SEI sent you. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Wags of SEI podcast. We're back. It's Brooke and Elena. Thank you guys for tuning in today. We're super excited about this next topic. What are we discussing today, Elena? Yeah. So today, first of all, we want to take a moment to say thank you to everybody who's been listening thus far to our podcast. We've had some really great feedback from you guys. Um, thank you for not uh, having any haters, I guess, thus far. That's an important. <laughs> thank you for not hating. <laughs> yeah, no, we've had a really, really positive feedback um, in terms of running WEGS in general over the last couple of years. So I think somebody's got our back. The universe has our back. <laughs> yeah, the universe. <laughs> um, so today we want to take a moment and talk about something that we have been asked so frequently since the beginning of beginning WEGS of SCI. And these questions are from you guys. So we have been asked what? The big thing from friends and from family who, you know, we have a lot of friends and family of injured people um, or the WAG that follow our page as well. Um, And we get a lot of emails from friends and family who ask us, what can I do to support, you know, my friend or daughter or loved one or what can I do to support her and what can I do to support him after his injury? What can I do to support them? Everyone's very, you know, confused about this because they don't want to intrude. 
Yeah, that's a big one. The, you know, that fine balance between, okay, so the person has sustained the injury and then the friends and family don't know if they can come in right away to help or how to help or if they should back off and give, especially if there's a partner, um, give the couple personal space to, I guess, get their feet on the ground. Yeah. I, whatever the reason is, there's there's a tons of different reasons. If you're a friend or a family member of someone who's paralyzed or you're a friend or a family member of the WAG of SCI who's either new to this lifestyle or not new, I feel like you're all, you're always looking for ways that you can actually help. People are confused. They, you know, they they want to bring you something or do something for you that is actually going to make a difference. And, you know, from the perspective of a WAG myself and I'm sure Elena can attest to this as well. We are looking for that kind of support that is not necessarily asked. So we feel like this podcast will be super helpful for friends and family of uh, couples in our situation because it'll kind of give you more of an idea of how you can actually help, which Mm -hmm. is super important. I mean, we recently did a bit of a story around Christmas time. around this topic as well. And one of the bigger things, so from, I think both of our perspective is that we had to relocate cities. We spent a lot of time in ICU and stepped down in um, rehab with our partners. So we needed a place to stay that was close by. We needed Mm -hmm. some meal prep, both for us and for our partners who were eating like diarrhea mush in the hospital um, with zero nutrition, right? This this food is so processed and so overcooked that it's turned into puree poo-poo, <laughs> literally. So um, that's you, actually a good place to start. I, let's Do you want to start? Let's start like the couples that are newly injured or the partner is newly injured. They're mm-hmm. in rehab or they're in hospital. Friends and family, how can they help? How can they assist? Yeah. So, so going back to one of the bigger things is, especially if you're, if you're in a different city and being close to your partner and want to be close is where do you stay? Mm-hmm. Um, when an SCI occurs and especially in our position, we still had to pay our mortgage. We both lost our jobs and we had to figure out a, a way to stay either in a hotel or a friend or family's place or, I don't know, sleep in the ICU <laughs> yeah. sometimes on on the little chairs and stuff. So in my position spe- specifically, um, I had a family member, my aunt, who I'm still very close with. My aunt Anna had a vacant condo that was close by. Had she not oh, had that condo. So lucky. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And she, you know, my family dropped off the keys to us right away um, and said, you know, you can, Anna said, you can come stay there. You can use anything you want. There is frozen food in the freezer. You can sleep wherever you want in the condo. Nobody will be there. And it was actually a 20 minute walk to the hospital. So we mm. got so freaking lucky. So lucky. But, you know, we I've spoken to other women since saying that they've had to pay out of the ass literally to to rent a place to stay or or get a condo. We're talking about thousands of dollars to stay somewhere close by Vancouver um, to be close to their partners or commuting hours. Sometimes who has time to commute these hours back and forth? And when you're in that situation where it's like you're in fight or flight and your partner's new, newly injured and you want to be there 24 seven for him or as close as possible you don't want to be spending that time commuting if you don't have to. So like I, you know, I remember when my partner was in the hospital, we had 
a place that I lived in close by that we were renting, but it was kind of crazy timing for us because we had, we were literally signing the paperwork for a new investment property, our first apartment together that we had ever bought, um, that was literally going through while he was in ICU and the mortgage was literally coming out that month. So it was really tough for us because we had to pay the rent at one place and then also a mortgage on another place that was an hour and 15 minutes away from his rehab with tons of traffic and everything. And I personally wasn't comfortable staying that far away. So we said, you know, I I need to stay at this place. I didn't want to pack up everything and move right away. I had no energy. I wanted to be at the rehab all day because I was learning so much, but I also was scared that something would happen to him if I wasn't there. So I took it upon myself to just be like, you know what, let's just figure this out. I need to be close to my partner. I need to be 10 minutes away instead of an hour and 15 minutes away. And I need to avoid traffic at all costs at this time. Um, so we ended up paying both. Um, Thank God we had uh, a fundraiser done for us um, by his work um, who helped out with that. But regardless of like your insurance, if you even have insurance, with which most people don't, um, regardless of what your situation is in, if there is access to providing someone with a room or an apartment or something close by, the rehab hospital, that is huge. So I would say probably the number one thing is combine your resources, ask around, Mm -hmm. you know, see if you have friends and family that have connections to a place nearby to stay during that rehabilitation. You know what? I'll, I'll add to that and say that it's really tough sometimes when you're going through this to be around other people though, too. Right. Um, I definitely valued my solitude and my space to come back and think sometimes I was at the hospital until like, I don't know, 5am staying overnight. And then coming back to my aunt's place that was uh, completely empty, just closing the blinds and sitting down and having a cup of tea and just like thinking was amazing. So um, I know that we had one woman who recently reached out to us saying that she contacted the local church to see if there was anybody there that would um, would kind of allow her to stay in a spare bedroom. Right. And. You know, I think the biggest thing to understand about that is we don't always want to be entertained. Even if we're staying with you, like we're not looking for you to take us out for dinners or distract us or entertain us or, you know, do these things. Sometimes it's like we just need a spare place to stay. Just come and go. And it has there's there's no hurt feelings about us maybe not wanting to hang out during this process. It's more like we're just trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Elena, because I remember during the initial, I don't know, six months of my partner's injury, the thought of going out to dinner actually made me feel sick. Like I, I could not have an enjoyable time in anything that I was doing. You're in that stage where you're so hopped up on stress and stress hormones everywhere. And you're just, all you want to do is just be alone. Like Elena said, or be given something so that you can enjoy yourself alone. Um, I mean, and it depends, I guess, on your personality, but I think the majority of the women who are listening to this can probably say that they didn't want to have any more pressure than they already did on them to entertain or to go out or Mm -hmm. to do anything. People think, oh, we need to go and distract them. No, that's not the case. So I would say like, besides the accommodation thing, leverage your networks and do things like 
a gift card to a grocery store or gas or gas things that like you probably would take for granted are the most important. And that being said, make sure that like, I always go back to money, but to be honest in this initial stage, money is so important. Yeah. Regardless of what insurance you have, there are so many things that are not or paid if you for. Have insurance. Exactly. Right? There are so many things that are not paid for. So I would say, you know, even number one before accommodations, make sure that someone in either the WAG or the partner's family or friend circles has started a fundraiser. Yeah, like a GoFundMe. And actually, yes, very interesting that you, you bring up this GoFundMe thing because I went through a very, very interesting situation um, when one of Dan's friends decided to start him a GoFundMe. And I had some... Not necessarily the best experiences around that. I did have some people coming forward saying, how dare you allow this to happen? How dare you uh, turn this into a charity case? Which that's pretty shocking. Yeah, it is. It really is. And at that time, I thought to myself, um, how do you expect us to pay for a mortgage, um, for all the hospital equipment, um, for the care that we need, for everything. And uh, I want to say I've buried the hatchet on this one, but it's mm. it's still there. It's still one of those things where I kind of look back at that and think, you know, and we did. We ended up going with the GoFundMe fundraiser and we raised maybe $9,000. And even without that $9,000 um, and all the paperwork that we had to do with selling the Dan's house and everything, it, it scraped the surface. It really mm-hmm. did. And without that, I don't even know how we would have been able to do a lot of the things that that needed to be done in terms of his care. And I was there. I was there doing his care the entire time completely alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we had, like Dan will say, we had friends and family coming forward to, to prepare meals and be there. Um, that in itself was huge for us. Mm-hmm. It was nice to have his his uh, parents and his siblings drive out and come out and visit. And, you know, again, and his aunts and uncles came out and visited and brought food and whatnot. But again, it's like a very small fraction of the time of what they're able to see and not by any fault of their own. But you're, you're barely scraping the surface of what it looks like to, to take care of somebody with a spinal cord injury, especially within the first month and the first year. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess tip number two, make sure that there's a a fundraiser being created. It doesn't matter where you're from, what your insurance looks like. You will need this money. And, you know, sometimes that's hard for friends and family to hear because especially for me, it was really hard for me to ask for money. Um, I remember a few times my partner's Mm -hmm. family would say, what can we do to help you? And, you know, my partner would say, well, money, like, we need, we need some funds. We need some money. And it was kind of awkward because, you know, then you have different family members views of money to deal with and it makes it so that things get more complex than they need to. So if you're a friend or a family member listening right now, and you're in the initial stages of the injury, I would say like under a year money fundraise help that way. Use your resources. If you have a chunk of money that is sitting there waiting for a rainy day that, you know, you may not necessarily be attached to, use that now. To help your family. Yes. <laughs> to help your friends yeah. or your family. If you can, 
Yeah, that's a that's a very important point there. Because the last thing you want to do, like I said, is is to ask somebody for money. Like you don't want no. to ask; you want no. it to be offered. Nobody um, nobody wants to be like, "Hey, I really need like yeah. financial assistance here." Like, yeah, y- you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you don't want to leave it up to the other person either, as to like deciding what to do with that money. That's the worst thing either. It's just like you know, I would have loved someone to say, "Here's five hundred dollars." cash, do what you need with it, use it how you need to. And just that alleviation of stress alone is just like, oh my God, you have Mm -hmm. no idea how much this is helping me right now. Or a Visa gift card. Use this for gas, use this for groceries, use this for bringing your partner some nutritious food that is costing you an arm and a leg to provide for them. Use this towards a hotel. Or even providing it like, I know that we had to spend some of our own funds on a proper pillow and a proper duvet or a proper blanket for Dan to have in the hospital. Right? I mean, these are things you like don't think about but you're trying to normalize you're in the freaking hospital like in rehab for months and months and you have this tiny little space of a half of a room with a curtain that divides this room Mm -hmm. so you're trying to basically this is your home for the next few months and do you want to be covered with this thin little hospital blanket and you know some crummy pillow no like these are things that people don't think about or even slippers dan had such bad pressure sores that he had to have they took little sheep, little pieces of sheep skin, sheep wool, and put them on these like hospital, like, I don't know, paper slippers because they his feet couldn't touch anything else. So I had to go out and buy him proper slippers. Like we're talking about things that you don't think about. Or exactly. Having a little mini fridge with, yeah. you know, he couldn't swallow whole food. So he was living off like pudding and applesauce. So things like that. Um, you know, anything, things for headaches, you know, like, like having, you know, your cold rice Mm -hmm. pillow or whatever cushion for help Mm -hmm. helping with fevers and headaches for this person. There's so many things that come up that you don't think about and you wouldn't think about them unless you're in it. Yeah. And it definitely, that definitely ties into the whole, like, ask the couple, ask the wag, ask the, the guy, what do you want? What do you need? And don't argue with them. Don't use your, oh, I think they should use this or I think they shouldn't need this. Mm -hmm. Ask them what they need and don't argue with them about what they need. Ask them brutally, honestly, what can I do to assist you? Because this is the time you don't want to bring in your own stuff about what you think they need. Because most likely, (laughs) yeah, you don't know all these little things like what Elena was saying. And I know personally, I went through an experience where I was asked what I need over and over again, and I wasn't being listened to. And I was given things that were not helpful. And I know that sounds brutal because it's like, oh, you should appreciate stuff that you're given. But a lot of the stuff that was given to us was stuff that we could not use. And that mm-hmm. just wasn't, it was what that person wanted. It wasn't what we wanted, what what was helpful to us. Can you give us an example of something like this? Yeah, I can actually. So um, when my partner was in the hospital, It was his birthday. It was his 25th birthday. And I was asked, you know, what he wanted for a birthday present. And I was like, money. I was like, he doesn't care about presents right now. All we care about is that we're not drowning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't listened to. Um, And he was given a notebook. Um, It was one of those leather bound notebooks. And I'll never forget it because... Um, I was actually asked beforehand, oh, so-and-so wants to give this person a notebook so they can journal down their experiences. And I said, you know, this is 
not only unacceptable, but this he can't use this. He's a C4 quadriplegic with no hand function. He doesn't right. want to write stuff down because he can't. He can't. It's a nice reminder <laughs> of what you can't do anymore. Like It was so what? triggering. It was so triggering to me to the point where I was just like, I can't deal with this anymore. And this is like me being brutally honest. <laughs> Sorry. I'm not going to name names, but yeah. I mean, it was terrible. It was horrible. And then they didn't listen and they got it for him anyways. And it was just... It was so terrible because I remember being out at the restaurant. He had his collar still on. Like, this was, like, literally his neck brace. His neck brace. He was in a neck brace out. He was just shaking, and he was feeling terrible. You know, he received this gift, and he didn't even know what to say. It was so—he he, he went home and, like, was Cried. just shocked. Yeah, it was shocking. Really? I mm-hmm. was the one that was crying. I was like, no one's listening to me. So I think, like, listening and, you know— just really understanding that what you want to provide someone with may not necessarily be what they want or and need. I mean, well, and also in that breath, a lot of people, they just don't know what to do. And I know I've been in, in this position before where, you know, something really drastic happened to like, let's say uh, a f- friends with babies who had to go through like ICU or whatnot. It's like you want to be there for that person, but you also want to give them space because you don't know mm-hmm. what to do. Mm-hmm. And even now in my perspective, like in retrospect, this is even before Dan's accident. It's like, I kind of was like, oh, wow, what a shame. This accident is such a shame. So sad for the family. So sad for, you know, the parents. Um, I think I'll just give them space to kind of grieve this. Had I known now, basically what I'm telling you guys, what Brooke and I are telling you now, is that all I should have done was like, hey, what kind of support can I provide for you? And how can I be there? Um, you know, be there in a in a constructive and positive and and proper way that's going to actually make use of my presence being there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important for friends and family to realize that this is if you want to help, if you're not capable emotionally, because a lot of people have different ways of processing tragedy. If you're not capable of being there as far as saying, what can I do to help? And then the person tells you, oh, I would love you to like pay for someone to clean my house or come in and help me organize something at my house when I can't be there or do this, feed the dog, take the dog for a walk. If you can't follow through with that, don't ask Uh and be honest. Uh Just be like, I am not capable of doing this right now, but I will be there for you if you need to talk. Something that you are capable of doing, be honest. Because right. honesty is is actually the best policy. If you're honest with someone, they can't get upset at you for not following through. I don't know. There was countless times where people would say, I'm here for you. How can I help you? What can I do for you? And they'd say, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then it just would never happen. And I would feel bad because it just would make me feel bad because I'd be like, oh, I really needed their help with that. And they couldn't do it. And it just never ended up getting done. And now is the time. Like I, you know, even part of me now when I'm talking about this, I'm like, oh, that's kind of selfish. I'm like, no, it's not selfish. Mm-hmm. This is the time when you have to be selfish because if you're not and you don't take care of yourself and you don't listen to your needs there, that's when that resentment starts to pile up. That's when that extra stress starts to pile up when you're in these initial stages is, you know, you get you get resentful towards people and things happen and things get said and it can all be avoided if you just remain true to yourself. So be honest. Well, going back to that, the point about if you do have pets and you need somebody to look after your pet, I think that's a huge one. Yeah. Um, I know that Dan's family really, st- uh, you know, came to the plate in terms of taking our dog, uh, Charles. Charles was with them for quite a while. Um, 
and they would bring him in to visit Dan in hospital. Um, you know, they helped pack up the house. They had the walls painted, the floors redone, and then it was kind of like a turnkey sell for for Dan. You know, this is something that just needed to be done. And we were already talking about like, what do you want to do with this house while he was still in like spying? Mm-hmm. So these are things that. I mean, granted, are you able to take the time off work? Mm -hmm. You don't also, you don't want to do something where you're thinking, okay, this is going to cost me something and I'm, and I might be resentful to helping in any way as well, because that's not the point of being there for, for your people, right? Mm -hmm. You don't ever want to look back and be like, well, God, like you owe me. No. And I know that I have had these feelings before with Mm -hmm. certain people helping me being like, wow, you know, I really owe you because it made me feel like, okay, now you owe me. Mm -hmm. And that is not, if that is your perspective of going in to help somebody, please don't. No, this podcast is kind of for the people that want to do something, but they don't really know really what to do. Yes. And like going back to the whole money thing, I know we stress that money is important because it is, but also Anyone can leverage, even if they don't have a dime to their name. Think outside of the box. Think creatively. How can you leverage to help fundraise? How can you, do you know somebody that might be interested in a, in their in this person's story? Do you want to do something at work, like a bake sale and donate the money that way? There's so many different avenues that you can go, um, well, you know. And going back to the food thing, I know that we've had people, like I said, like prepare food. Yeah. That's a big one. Huge. Huge, huge, huge. Um, you know, preparing food, it doesn't mean you have to pay for fancy dinners to take out no. anybody. You just, if you're making a big meal, make an extra one for your gal or whatever and just like yeah. drop it off. It'll be so appreciated. You have no idea. And even if you yeah. go and, and the extra mile and say, hey, I'm going to do some cooking on Sunday. Yeah. Do you have any requests? Or make their favorite meal for yeah. them in a large quantity and portion it for them, that kind of stuff. Like what yeah, would you kind sure. of put yourself in this situation? And I know you can't really imagine it as someone who is not going through, who has not gone through this, but like put yourself in that situation where you're like, what would I want if I was literally feeling just the lowest I've ever felt and trying to survive pretty much? Well, and just kind of like you're confused. So to sum it all up, we say the first few, few things that you can do to provide assistance if you're wanting to support your gal is fundraise if you can. Ask them what they want. Ask them what they need. Provide. And listen. <laughs> provide an extra casserole if you're making something. Yeah. Give cards for gas or for food. Or helping with cleaning the apartment or taking care of the pets and doing stuff that is mundane, ordinary stuff, maybe once a week for that person. Well, these things things take time, though, right? It's like you're you're donating your time, which is huge, huge, huge. And everybody would appreciate it. Yeah. So why don't we move along um, to later down the road in in the injury? Let's just say you're past the first year or you have friends and you have, you know, friends that are a couple that have gone through this injury together or have met post injury. And you're a friend that just wants to help out your buddy or your girlfriend um, or the couple in general. Like, what would you say is your biggest tip for friends and family to help? Well, recently we had somebody reach out to us um, who saw this actually on our story. And she said, hey, I own a organic cleaning company. Can I come into your house yeah. and clean this, so nice. this space for you? 
And it was like the best gift ever. It was like right after Christmas. Um, I was like, yeah, of course. Are you kidding me? I would love that. And she did. And they did an amazing job. So that that's huge. It's huge. very big. And you know what? It's so funny because I, I was like, what? Clean my house? I'm a clean freak. Like my house is clean. And then after they were finished, I was like, oh my God, my house is disgusting. <laughs> so thank yeah. you for coming in and doing that and sorting that out for me. Yeah. And it doesn't like, even if you can help clean, like it going all along in the injury, like usually these couples have a lack of time. They're ferrying themselves around to work and rehab and physio and appointments. And usually they don't have time to clean or tend to things that they would normally have time to do. So think about the time thing. If you had a lack of time, what would you want someone to do for you? Think like that. And I think that was hugely helpful. It's just the mundane, regular things is just, it's awesome. And even now I love and appreciate if someone makes me stuff like, cause I know Elaine and I do that a lot mm-hmm. when we're making like meat sauce or we're making soup. Like Elena just brought me some, um, delicious pork broth. We like making oh. bone broth yeah. and like when she's making a pot of it, she'll like bring over yeah. some stuff so that I can have lunch taken care of. And it's just so helpful. And vice versa. Bring yeah. Bring, bring your girlfriend whatever you're making and yeah. think it's amazing. Like Brooke brought me uh, pasta meat sauce that I literally had like five meals out of with Dan. I was like, today we're having pasta. Yeah. And yeah, again, we're having pasta. Yeah, again, we're having pasta. <laughs> Especially like in the summer, if you're like barbecuing, you just make some extra food and just bring it over. It's always, always very appreciated. Um, and then <laughs> towards the end of like, like Brooke's saying post-injury kind of stuff, you're feeling more settled company having a a cup of tea or going for a walk is also really nourishing I think that Brooke and I our friendship began over cups of coffee and yoga classes early in the morning Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it was just like hey I you know just be understanding that hey I only have like an hour here and there and just come and go and again it's just like no strings attached I'm here I'm present I'm here for you right now and then I gotta go Amazing. Yeah. And I also wanted to touch on something that was, is very meaningful to me. And that is be interested, be interested in the care, be interested and observe what the WAG is doing. If she's the primary caregiver, she's helping. If you're out and about with the the couple, pay attention to what she's doing, pay attention to what he needs so that you can assist. I think it is the most heartwarming It literally makes me feel like crying now. It is the most amazing thing to me when a friend or a family member has observed and paid attention to and has actually shown interest into the care and without me asking goes in to assist. I honestly, every time I see that happen, I'm just like, I feel like just bawling. Well, because you are the primary caregiver and you are there around the clock, right? Um, I find the same thing too with with us as well. It's funny because when I go out for dinner with Brooke and Evan, I'm like, Evan, I want to feed you. He's like, you don't need to feed me. Like, <laughs> I'm like, let me just help you, Evan. I have oh, this drink. So have a sip of my drink. And Brooke's like, you don't need to feed him. <laughs> no, but it's funny though. Like, I honestly like, oh, I'll funny. use an example of my brother. So my brother, like when Evan was first injured, he was always very attentive. Like you could tell he was watching what was going on and he would always ask like, how can I help? He met us in California and helped out, you know, he, he's a big, strong guy. So 
When you were in California, you mean for rehab, right? For rehab, yeah. He came down for a week and hung out with us and helped with a lot of stuff. And, you know, helping to transfer because he has a big, strong guy. And, you know, when he helps me transfer, it's literally like he uses like one pinky finger and can do twice as much as me. Um, But he's taken the time to learn. And it's interesting because there's a lot of other friends as well. I won't name names, but, you know, we'll all go out together and, you know, they'll see... And a lot of my husband's guy friends, they'll see that I'm busy and they'll go and drain his bag in the back alley. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff, like when they don't get squeamish about it and they're interested and they've they've seen what goes on into the care and they take it upon themselves to participate and do it just to help is so freaking amazing. Well, it's not even just helping you. It's like you're helping with the injured individual's needs at that moment. Like when you need to drain your leg bag, it's like, hey, like I got to have this done now. Right. And a lot of the time with being a WAG is that we're always on that on our our on switch is always on. Like at any moment, I have to do this and get this and do that and drain this. And And it's like a habit to us. Right. Yeah, and we do that sometimes, like, with our eyes closed at a lot of the time. Like, the running joke in my house is that I forget where I put things all the time. I'll pick up one thing, because I'll be multitasking in my mind. Dan says it's just, like, I don't know, ADD, <laughs> distracted. And um, it's you're just doing so many things. And I think, actually, a lot of mothers, a lot of people who are parents can probably relate to this. Is like, you're juggling. You're literally juggling a million things. And then you're trying to, like, keep your thoughts all together, but you're thinking about a million things too, that it's just like, woo, a whirlwind, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a wonder that we've kept these guys alive (laughs) this long. Yeah. I would, okay. I just thought of something else that I think is important. So another thing that's really important is like, if you're a friend or a guy friend, just ask them to go out, but ask them to keep in mind accessibility when you're asking them to go and hang out. So I know this is probably a given for lot, lots of friends and family out there. Um, oh, yeah, like we'll find the accessible place. But actually learn what truly accessible means, because a lot of people think, you know, just because the door opens and there's no stairs, it's accessible. That's actually not the case. Pay attention when you're out. Find the places that have higher tables. Find the, the, you know, where they're not like super low that the chair can't get under. Or look around and see how wide open the place is and what it looks like for someone that is seated. Don't go to a place with high tops. You know, don't go to a place where there's obstructions by the bathroom. So like if you're out and about by yourself and you're hanging out with your friends or whatever, pay attention to these places and keep in mind my your friend would probably like this place. And what does that mean? That mm-hmm. means that it's easy to get into. It's easy to get around. It's not too mm-hmm. crowded. The tables are good. There's not like a huge thing. What do they call those bases that are so annoying in the tables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's those like, it's like in the middle of the table, like yeah. the base, that's like a huge structure. Yeah. I'm actually really happy that you brought this up as well, because we have had many times um when friends have invited us out to really nice restaurants and let's say they're like in town for like a very short time and they're really excited they're in Vancouver they just want to you know try these places out and then they invite you out too and then you say hey it's not accessible or friends invite you to their houses and they're like, oh, well, we're just having this like amazing party with like everybody. We're having having a big barbecue. Um, but there are stairs. Are you cool with us just carrying him up yes. the stairs? Oh, my God. Yes. Um, 
And I've had this asked so many times, you guys. Mm -hmm. And I think it comes from a really good place because people just want to help, right? But one of our biggest concerns is, um, A, if people are drinking, Mm -hmm. yes, you might be able to get in, but it's not safe for anybody involved to be doing this. You can be carrying the guy in his chair up up or down the stairs. Drinking or not drinking, honestly, it's not safe because you're putting yourself at risk and you're putting the individual at risk who's already injured. So this is just not good protocol. It's just not something that I think some people are okay with it, but I know that we ourselves are not, it's not comfortable. Also, if you're in a restaurant, imagine, imagine everybody's sitting having dinner and all of a sudden everybody turns around because they see this ruckus of this guy being carried up the stairs and then plunked back into his chair. It's really uncomfortable. And being in a chair, I feel like people get more than enough attention that they don't want. That it's Mm -hmm. like, why would you want to create a scene just to come in and have a meal? Or Mm -hmm. why don't you you guys do better planning and um, check it out ahead of time and call and ask if it's accessible and, and make everybody feel comfortable, right? Yeah. And it's, that's so good that you brought that up because like, you know, I have a personal experience about that. Bless their hearts. Um, our friends, they have a house on literally on a cliff by the water and their house is absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. They always have parties. And there's a few times that we were invited to go. Now, the downside of this house is that there's literally 12 stairs, steep stairs to get down. And I remember the I think it's been twice now, but both times that that's happened, it's like we wanted to be included so bad because we love we loved going to their house. At the same time, it required six guys to carry him up and down the stairs and think about like how you feel. So like when we're going through this and and you're sitting there having drinks and trying to enjoy yourself, I remember the entire time I was worried about, oh crap, how are they going to get up the stairs? Um, How are we going to get them up the stairs? Who's going to be too drunk to help? And these are all these things. It creates a little bit of low level anxiety for the caregiver. So I would say just keep in mind. Yeah. And then you want to step in yourself. And while you're sitting there, you're, you're watching this go down and you're thinking one slip of a step and everybody else is now going to be injured too. Right. And it also puts extra pressure on the host to like, because everyone wants to be included. Like I know myself and my husband, we'd love to be invited to these things. Even if we know we we might not be able to attend because of the accessibility, at least we're invited. Mm. And I feel like, you know, sometimes the people doing the inviting don't necessarily want to carry the person up and down. So they just don't invite in general. But it's like that. That's also a good piece of advice is it's like if if it's your friend and you want to invite him, invite him, even if it's not accessible. And then just say, listen, this is what we'll have to do. And if they say no, don't take it personally and don't get upset about it. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But it's all, I, I personally always feel like it's better to be invited than to and not I be personally feel like it's better to do your research and yeah. make sure <laughs> well <that> obviously <laughs> make sure yes. that it's feasible yes so that it's not a scene and it's not a big yeah. thing when the person arrives and it's like yeah yeah I actually can't even participate in this so avoid it all together do your research um or even ask the way to help you out and and we're always willing to to help you guys out and we we just want to make sure that it's a smooth sale yeah and everybody's having a good time so and again it goes back to 
talk to that person, ask them what they want, ask them what they need and believe them when they tell you what they need and what they want. And to all the wags out there, don't feel selfish when you are telling people what you need and when you're telling people what your partner needs. So yeah, so thanks for listening to the Wags of SEI podcast. Um, this episode has been very informative, hopefully for all of you. If you have any more questions, please feel free to reach out to us at wagsofsei at gmail.com or follow our Instagram, Wags of SEI. Thanks, guys. The advocacy and outreach group Wags of SCI is currently a volunteer-based operation. We raise funds year-round to pay for date nights for our couples, essential medical supplies that our members may not be able to afford, mental health support for our WAGs, including counseling, and our amazing meetups led by our volunteer ambassadors around the globe. If you feel called to support our mission, please visit our website, wagsofsci.com, or donate directly to the WAGs of SCI GoFundMe page. We thank you for your support to help make this group possible and make a difference in the lives of SCI couples worldwide.